Hi, and welcome to a new episode of Pasha. My name is Inas Kosana. Thanks for joining us. Lions and leopards are the subject of our podcast today. Lions across Africa are facing increased amounts of conflict with growing human populations and the expanding human footprints. As a result, many lion populations are declining. Leopards in Africa, parts of Asia and the Indian subcontinents are far more adaptable. However, they face many of the same threats as lions, and as a result, their numbers are also declining in some areas. Lions and leopards are both listed as vulnerable by the International Union for Conservation of Nature's Red List. The biggest threat facing them are habitat loss and fragmentation, as well as loss of prey. Our guest today is Dr. Paula White a researcher with extensive expertise on carnivores in Africa, where she has worked closely with lion and leopard populations in Zambia. Dr. White, welcome. Can you please just tell us a bit more about your research and why in Zambia in particular? Well, thank you, Anna. It's great to be here. Uh, my path to studying lions and leopards in Zambia was a, a long and winding road. When I first went to Zambia in 2001, my focus was on much smaller species, genets and some of the solitary mongoose species. But I chose Zambia because in terms of carnivore research, virtually no work had been done there. And I chose the North Luangwa Valley because that was where these small carnivore species occurred. So while I was there doing that study, I talked with Wildlife Authority and many other stakeholders about what species of carnivores were facing the biggest management issues? And their answers were a short list, it was always the same, it was lion, leopard, and wild dog. I decided to focus on lion because from what I could tell early on, lion was the species of the most pressing conservation concern. It was the carnivore species, most often at the center of human-wildlife conflicts, and I'll talk more about that shortly. Virtually no research had been conducted on lions or leopards in Zambia, which is, it's kind of amazing because when you look at a map of Africa, Zambia occupies this key central location in the southern part of the continent. It shares borders with eight other countries, at least five of which have significant populations of lions, and all of which have leopards, which are much more widespread in distribution. And this means that in addition to its own lion and leopard populations, Zambia could play a, a very strategic role in conservation of these species in neighboring countries. An important concept in conservation biology is what's called connectivity. And it's the possibility that an individual living in one population might be able to travel successfully to a neighboring population. So this connectivity being connected brings in new breeders and it helps keep populations robust, yet nothing was known about Zambian carnivore populations. It, Zambia was essentially a black hole. Zambian Lion Project began in 2004 and the leopard work began sometime later and with very different goals, but most of the same conservation issues surrounding lions generally apply to leopards too. What have you been able to observe about the populations of both species? Well, there are two major wildlife areas in Zambia. There's the Luangwa Valley in the northeast and the Kafui in the west. And both are vast areas of wild natural habitats and they both support populations of lion and leopard. In addition to being important for wildlife, these two areas are both economically crucial for Zambia's tourism industry, the photographic tourism as well as hunting tourism. And at the time that I was beginning this study, there was growing concern 
about lion populations across Africa and declines in numbers in some areas, but there was no information on lion or leopard populations in Zambia. So the, lion, the Zambia Lion Project had two main goals, and one was to look at the genetic health and diversity of Zambian lions, and the results of that were fascinating thanks to the, the wonderful geneticists with whom I worked. Very briefly, in a nutshell, the Luangwa Valley and Kafui lions are largely isolated from one another, but genetically they're related to lions in the neighboring countries. So as I say, they, can play, they play a very important conservation role to the neighboring countries. And the other focus of the project was on hunting. And for this, I looked at the skulls of lions and leopards to estimate the animals' ages. And it was during this process of examining the skulls and the teeth that I began to notice some very odd, unnatural wear marks on the teeth of these big cats. And this is very different from the natural tooth breakage and wear. And my colleague and co-author on a, the most recent paper, Dr. Blair Van Valkenburg, she's a world expert on carnivore teeth. And ultimately we termed this snare wear because it turned out that this unnatural wear was caused by lions and leopards biting and pulling on snare wire. So they get caught in a snare, they bite and they pull on the wire to get free, and they damage their teeth in this very diagnostic way. And looking at the skulls, we noticed another type of damage too, and that was that some of the lions, actually 27% of the lion skulls that we looked at had old shotgun pellets embedded in their skulls. That's more than one in four lions. And these were old injuries. These animals had not been killed by the snares or by these shotgun pellets, but they'd been injured at some point during their lives. And so that begs the question, if these are the survivors, how many other animals died from these injuries that we have no idea of numbers? And there are no good data on the number of deaths from these sources. That information is, is really hard to come by. But you have to consider that snaring and shotgun injuries are potentially taking a huge toll on lion and leopard populations in Africa and most likely contributing to population declines. So, Paula, I want to ask, what's the, what are the drivers of these state of affairs? I mean, why are they getting injured? Why are these lions getting injured? So the two types of non-lethal injuries that we found, escaping a wire snare and being hit by shotgun pellets, they both relate to the main causes of carnivore declines. And that's loss of habitat, increasing human pressure, including human encroachment into protected areas, declining prey populations, and the wire snare poaching for bushmeat, which is any wild animal caught for food and people killing large predators out of fear or, out, or to protect themselves or their livestock. And that's considered a form of human wildlife conflict. Consider that where you have wild areas, you have abundant natural resources. You have wild game, grazing for domestic cattle and goats and timber, for buildings and making charcoal, minerals. And you also have economic resources. You have jobs associated with tourism. And all of this attracts local people who are trying to make a living, feed themselves, their families, they're trying to earn money to send their children to school, etc. So as more people settle near these resources, the towns grow 
and now there's schools and shops and hospitals that are built to serve the towns. And in turn, all of this infrastructure attracts more people. And the problem is that this is all happening right on the edge of these important wild areas. People are growing crops, they're raising livestock, and this leads to conflicts with wild animals, this human-wildlife conflict. Now, lions kill or threaten livestock or people, and maybe they get shot at by the wildlife authority or by locals trying to protect themselves or their property. People may be trying to scare or chase them away without injury, but some animals get injured. They get hit by these shotgun pellets. And all these people need to eat too. There are never enough jobs to go around. So some of those people are going to resort to poaching to catch something to eat. And the easiest way to do that is to set a wire snare. And some people are going to kill more than they need to eat and they're gonna sell that surplus bushmeat for money. Mm, it really is a delicate balance, isn't it? Yes, it, it really is. And wire snare poaching, it's recognized as being a, a terrible scourge and a, a source of animal mortality, not only in Africa. Most snares are set for meat animals and carnivores are not normally the target, but snares are indiscriminate. But what are the solutions? Um, is this something that you explored in your research? Well, the, these problems, as you've noted, are they're rooted in, in very complex social issues and there are no easy solutions. People need food and money to survive. There aren't enough jobs, and without money, there are few legal options for people to get food. Raising livestock near wildlife creates its own problems. We're discussing carnivores here, but elephants destroy crops. It's another example of human-wildlife conflict. And there's huge amounts of money and resources already being spent on combating poaching and on human-wildlife conflict resolutions. And a lot of people are investing their time, their blood, sweat, and tears, literally into this battle, I mean, especially the anti-poaching scouts. You know, they put their lives on the line trying to catch po poachers. A first step to finding a solution to these very complex problems is to fully understand the problem. This research revealed the extent of the problem for these two main wildlife areas in Zambia and methods of applying these ways of revealing this, these issues in other areas. But we documented alarmingly high rates of snaring and shotgun injuries that previously had gone undetected and described where and how often these injuries are occurring. And that helps us to understand the problems and it provides a way to measure the effectiveness of certain conservation programs aimed at addressing these issues. That was actually going to be my next question is that once you've measured the scale of the problem, what are the next steps? Well, you can use these methods to track your progress in addressing these problems. So in the long term, community engagement is the only solutions to, to these larger problems. You know, we need sustainable options that can provide food and income without over-exploiting the resources. And one key aspect to that is thoughtful land use planning. Opportunities need to be provided in a way that does not destroy the habitat and negatively impact the wildlife that's so important to everyone. You need to maybe attract people to towns that are not located on the national park boundaries and greater equity in profit sharing from all of the tourism and a greater sense of ownership among the local people. Because these are the people living alongside these wildlife, especially the predators, and they need to see tangible benefits, greater benefits to coexistence than consumption, mm -hmm. 
and this in turn will help foster a conservation ethic. Human-wildlife conflict is a significant problem. Loss of habitat, human encroachment, poaching, and people killing these animals happen far too often. As more and more humans and wildlife mix, it is crucial to ensure that there is a relationship that benefits both. People need to fully understand the complexities of these relationships and community engagement is much needed. Societies that live in and around these areas need food and income to be provided in a sustainable way. Humans around the parks need to see the benefits from wildlife. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pasha, produced by Ozea Patel. From me, Inas Kwasana, goodbye for now.